0: This episode of All My Friends Are in Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal Wongo people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders, past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Oh. Oh. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Hey everyone, it's David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Thank you so, so much for checking this one out. Thank you so much for the continued and ongoing support for this podcast. I really, really, really do appreciate it. I hope things are going well for you. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode because god damn I'm excited about this one. This is a real dream get for me. Uh, Today's guests are Charlie Bliss. Charlie Bliss are a bubble grunge band, I I think is the term that got thrown around a bit when their first album came out. A mix of bubblegum pop and, and straight up alt-rock grunge, and uh, yeah, their debut album, Guppy, is absolutely one of my favorite albums of the of the whole decade. It's just something that I obsessed over. I think it's a near-perfect record, and they put out a really wonderful record earlier this year as well called Young Enough, and in July, they came to Australia for the very first time, and they toured in support of that, playing at Splendor in the Grass and also at the Lansdowne. In Sydney, I was fortunate enough to be able to get to go to both, and yeah, thanks to Uda over at Inertia, I was able to set this one up and have a chat with Eva and Spencer from the band, and honestly, it was surreal, like, I was just, I was that excitable the whole goddamn day I was doing it that it just, it never kind of quite set in that it was happening. It's a a weird one like that, but, uh... Honestly, like, they couldn't have been nicer, and I feel like this one went really, really well. I I wish we'd gotten a little bit more time, but, you know, like, uh, I understand they're an international touring band with time restraints and jet lag and all this other shit, so they're busy people, you know, and the fact I got any time with them at all was honestly such a huge deal, so again, huge thank you to Uda and the whole Inertia team for helping to make this one happen. Huge thank you to Eva and Spencer as well. And of course, always, as always, a big thank you to Mr. Adam Buncher for helping out with the editing and sound design of this episode. Much, much appreciated. Won't keep you that much longer. Just want to let you know, as per usual, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, uh, it would mean the absolute world if you could head over to Apple Podcasts. And leave a review, five stars obviously would be a big boost and a big help, would get us out to all the right people that we need. We are also available for subscription via Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much whatever app you are using. If you type in bar bands, you'll be able to find us and you'll be able to subscribe there. So if you haven't already done that, please do so. Again, much, much appreciated. If you have any friends that are into this sort of thing that otherwise might not know that this show exists, uh, maybe they're a big Charlie Bliss fan and would like to know more about them, then this is the avenue to do so. Please send them my way. I would love to hear from them and indeed hear from you. And of course, if you have a couple of dollars lying around, even one, honestly, for as little as $1 a month, you can help to support this podcast and myself over on Patreon. I'm up on Patreon through all of my creative endeavors. You can support me and keep the, keep the lights on over at TJYHQ. So if you are interested and would like to get involved there, consider supporting me on Patreon, then head over to patreon.com slash David James Young. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash David James Young. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch regarding uh, potential guests, uh, advertising, anything like that, we, as always, we are open for business barbandspod at gmail.com. B A R B A N D S P O D. And you can also hit us up at all my friends are in barbands.com, where you can find out pretty much everything you need to know about this little shindig we got going on. So yeah, barbandspod at gmail.com. All my friends are in barbands.com. Those are your destinations. Please get in touch. I would love to hear from you. But in the meantime, let's cross now to my chat with the incredible Charlie Bliss. All my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friends, Charlie Bliss. Hello! We're so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm so happy you're here. Please introduce yourselves.
1: I am Eva Hendricks and I sing and play guitar in Charlie Bliss.
2: My name is Spencer Fox. I play guitar in Charlie Bliss.
0: I'm David James Young. All my friends are in bar bands and sadly I'm not in Charlie Bliss. Yet. Yet. Yes. you're an
1: honorary member already Fantastic. just based sh- sheerly off of your enthusiasm and great attitude I feel like you you work well with the group
0: wonderful the group. <laughs> um, do you got any tambourines lying around I can see if you mix that shit oh, oh my
1: gosh totally
2: always room for a tambo always okay. room for
1: a tambo and I have a hard no tambo rule so this what is good just, we'll um, make an personally. exception Really? Just because I feel like growing up, like, I would always see, like, there, like, you know, were so few women in bands, and whenever I would see, like, a woman in, like, a cartoon band or something, she, she would like, just be, like, off on the, the side, holding, like, wearing a yeah. cute outfit and holding a tambourine. I was like, no, that's bullshit. I'm wearing, like, I want to be, like, doing real stuff. Although <laughs> I
2: will say, just from, like, the experience of, like, being in the studio, tambo is no joke.
1: No, it is no joke. Oh, and no. And the older I've gotten, the more we've done stuff. I'm like, maybe it's good that I have that role, because I'm not sure that I could handle, playing yeah. like, tambourine
0: like, uh, <laughs> it's a real skill set. You sure. really notice when it comes off, right?
1: Yeah. Well, also, my brother who plays drums in our band, I like went to college for classical percussion, and uh-huh. he like had actual training right. on like the proper way to play a tambourine, the proper way to use an egg shaker, like right. auxiliary percussion instruments that you would think like, you know, like, oh, a two year old could pick that up and no, but it's like, no, there's yeah. a right way and a wrong way. And so whenever I do something like that, I'm always like, Sam's watching, yeah. he's gonna and know you I'm watch, doing it
2: wrong. You watch Sam play tambourine and you're like, okay, that is That's a how you uh, do it, yeah. yeah,
0: totally. It <laughs> <laughs> does take scale. Get, gotcha. get more of a percussive groove for the next record. Yeah. There you might go. end up sounding like Tito Puente.
1: Oh, but you know what? Why not? <laughs> 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 we we're saying like, you know, I feel like the next record might be like Party record. It might be a
2: party record. Well,
1: All our records are party records. Yeah. Who am I kidding?
2: <laughs> but this one might be a Tambo heavy yeah. party. party. I'm I mean, trying the tambo. to say. I love it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's Wednesday afternoon. We are in Newtown, New South Wales, Australia, and Charlie Bliss are here for the first time ever. I, I'm so excited to be actually saying that like Yay. in the present tense Me too. I'm having like I'm having
1: like a like a meditation moment of like mindfulness like yes, we are here. We are. And, like, yeah. We are in whenever cuz you know, we're in a new city every day on tour Yeah. and I try to in order to like keep myself sane and also to like appreciate where we are, I try to like picture us on like a globe and be like <laughs> that's where we are. Yeah. Like that's cuz it can all bleed together, but like no, the entire time we've been here, I keep just being trying to like picture like okay, there's the giant Pacific Ocean that it took us 15 hours to yeah. fly over, we're right there. We're
2: fucking and uh, that was not easy yesterday after our 20-hour flight. Oh my uh, we got in at around 7 a.m.
1: Wow. Here, yeah. And uh, we, we just... were a little delirious. don't <laughs> me <laughs> like, like imagine. Yeah, we're, we're doing better now. Yes. Oh,
0: good to know. Today's <laughs> a new day. You kind of synced up. You figured out what's going on now. I Getting still there. think we
1: were, prob- we were probably going to go to bed again really early tonight, but you yeah. know, we're, but you know. We we all made it to at least eight thirty p.m. last night, just and that huge. felt yeah. that felt good. Well
0: done, Thank Good you. Hustle. I'd say
2: so. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes
1: I can't even make it to eight thirty like, where we live, so <laughs> it's a good thing. Feet good. feet <laughs>
2: across the globe.
0: <laughs> okay. Headline lunch shows. It's just like. It starts at 4:30. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't that even would be know, our dude. Dream. That would be our dream. If
2: we have a set time that is like 10:30 p.m., we're like, are you kidding me? We're like, <laughs> this <laughs> is How not in our contract.
1: week that late, like no. We like we are so thrilled when like our set time is like 9:15. Oh man! Yeah. And you know what? I think that's when everyone wants shows to be. Sure. I don't think I really want. I don't really know anyone who's like no when a show. Like I think there are a few times like when. Especially when we're starting out, I feel like this is a new trend in music that people realize that no one wants to go to a late show.
2: Yeah, there's like a silly notion that like, rock and roll, like, we need to go all night, baby, like, show starts at 1am, but like, (laughs) I don't think anyone's ever liked that. I think it was just like, trying to lean into the curve of being like... You are
0: much younger.
2: Oh, for for sure. I don't
1: know though, (laughs) like... We're twenty-five. I we're mean, pretty like, young. we're pretty young. Or maybe we're not young anymore. Maybe we've, maybe we've crossed <laughs> over. We're a bunch Even of old when I was eighteen, yeah, yeah. I feel like I would hear like something started at midnight, and I'd be like, "No." That <laughs> <laughs> okay. at being young.
0: <laughs> now, Spencer, this is the first time we are speaking about either. This is the second time that we are speaking.
1: It is? it is? You're one of my friends from the phone? Yes. Oh my Aww. god. Oh no. That's Just so cool.
0: So I interviewed you for Junkie here in Australia. Yes.
1: That was a wonderful interview. Thank hey. you. Oh, I was. So, oh my god. I feel like I need to hug you now. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: old friends. We're old friends. Go way back. You go way back. Exactly. Um, so. With that, I would like to uh, open by starting with you, Spencer.
2: Yeah, of course.
0: I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that maybe you were watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to being like, this is what I want to do. I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to be in a band, all that sort of thing. Like, Was there any kind of particular switch on moment for you where it's just like yeah that's that's what I'm going to
2: do well I mean I've been playing music for a really long time Dan who plays bass in the band is somebody that I met at uh, summer camp when I was 10 years old oh. and I've been yeah so playing music with Dan for you know close to 16 years now so it's always been a big part of my life but I don't think I realized that it was even an option for me career wise until this band started just yeah. because it's something that's really hard to grasp because it's something that you're constantly taught is such a pipe dream and it's so, you know, it's just intangible. But I think as soon as we really got started as a band, the relationship that the four of us had is what made it seem like it was actually in our grasps. And it's just like the way we collaborate and the way we have each other's backs is something that kind of like makes me feel like we could kind of do anything, whether it was music or I don't know, whatever. It's just like, I feel like that level of, Synergy is, like, kind of a weird word, but it it really, it does feel like that, like, the four of us creating one larger whole. Um, It's what made it feel like not just some silly dream or something. Yeah. And, yeah, basically, this, this band is what made me realize that it was a possibility.
0: Who made you want to play? guitar? like Like, uh, you have like posters up on the wall and shit like that?
2: Oh, for sure, man. I mean, it... tell
1: them about the the forums, the online oh, forums. Oh boy,
2: <laughs> there's yeah. always one. Let's do it. Let's let's go there. Um, I, I definitely I would say like my big musical like awakening was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm oh, not gonna yeah. try to be the cool guy right now. It's like <laughs> no, that's what it was. How
0: no confront when playing? Mm.
2: I cannot even tell you um. how far my you know. Just worship of that man went right yeah. but um it's remarkable it's remarkable, um but I think it like definitely hit like highest point in in seventh grade. I would go on guitar forums and like argue about his like you know whether he was better now or better when he first joined the band, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's documented proof of me using uh the term that funky fruit tone. <laughs> to describe, uh. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some good shit. So, the, the true answer and the honest answer is, is John Frusciante for sure. Hell yeah,
0: hell yeah. yeah. Eva, what about you? Uh, how did music kind of factor in for, for you and your brother growing up?
1: Our parents are super. They're huge music lovers, and yeah, so I grew yeah. up with music all around, uh, and as did Sam, and I just have so many memories of us dancing in our living room and, like, listening to the Beatles with our parents and stuff, and, uh, and then, like, David Bowie and the Talking Heads and stuff. I started out doing musical theater, and that was really, like, my big... Uh, that was my life for until I was 17 or so, 16 or yeah, right. 17. I really spent my whole life thinking that's what I was going to do forever. I never loved musical theater in the way that I love just music in general, and I think right, that yeah. that was an important distinction for me to come to terms with as I got older and started to consider where I wanted to go for like higher education. I, I think the kids that I did musical theater with who, you know, had spent just as much of their lives doing it but decided they were going to pursue it for a career would go home and, like, listen to Sondheim and, like, listen to Broadway musicals. And I just, I love that stuff. I just never had that type of relationship with it. And I slowly started, uh, while I was in high school, I started singing jingles for commercials and spending more time, like, in the studio, and I loved that. And basically, like, my... One day I was in the studio working on jingles, and the people who ran the company I worked for were, like have you ever written a song before and do you think you could? And I was like no and my mom like poked me in the ribs and she was like why? She was like say yes! She was like tell them you can, I bet you can uh, and and like right around that time I had just met Spencer and and he kind of was just I mean the most like magically encouraging friend I could have ever asked for at that time in my life You, I feel like you know I knew so many dudes who were musicians who like you know all of my guy friends were always like starting and you know, ending bands and yeah. uh, starting and and very quickly
2: ending yeah, bands. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and I was always like, you know, I would take up like all the courage I possibly could muster and be like, could I, could I be in it? Like, could I join? And they would all be like, yeah, maybe. Like, I don't know. Like, whatever. And Spencer was like the only one of my friends who was like, he, he, like, basically one day was just like, I bet that you've been secretly writing songs and I want to work on them with you and I like let's start a band. It would be so fun. And, like, kind of because he believed in me in that way, I was like, this might be, like, the only chance I ever get to do this. Like, mm. you know, because as much as I'm very outgoing, I'm also really shy in a lot of ways. It's super, uh, or just, like, really full of self-doubt. Uh, don't have have struggled with confidence. Um, and yeah. so, like, to have someone who blindly believed in me and like was pushing me to do it I was kind of like I've got to hop on this and then we started writing together and honestly this has been my life (laughs) ever since somehow Um, and you know the reason I believe that we could do it I have to give credit to our parents who just once again also blindly have believed in us uh, for the past eight years that we've been doing this and have just always like I'm full of more doubt about like how viable this is as a career than they are every time I go to them and I'm like but but what am I building? I'm 25. Like, I don't have, like, a retirement plan, whatever. They're like, don't worry. It's so good. You're crushing it. Just keep moving. We're so proud of you. And, like, that, uh, their, like, encouragement has, you know, made me believe that someday we'll have money. <laughs> but you know what? Fuck it. We're here in fucking Australia. I never, on, thought, right. I never thought we would be here. I never thought I would ever be here as a person, let alone, like, you know, uh, with my bandmates yeah. and here, like, as a job. Like, that's... Mm a dream comes true I and need like to, so we must yeah. be doing something right
2: i need to like strategically budget myself every time i want to buy the hummus i want yeah. but 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 here, here we, are, we are around in the world australia
0: yeah. so and when somebody get, get some hummus some on the, the rider if you want to
2: and exactly. we certainly do every day every night, <laughs> every and, night and when it's yeah. Sabra you, i walk into the Whoa. production manager's office and i scream at them <laughs> no.
1: Honestly, we had so much bad hummus on this last tour that Sabra is, like, a god. Yeah, rough, make. a
2: rough hummus tour. Rough
1: hummus tour. <laughs> <If> <laughs> you like, If you, like, give a blo- me a blood test, it was just, like, half of it would just be, like, hummus. It would just be,
2: yeah. <laughs> be like it. just the be tahini like... count is yeah. uh, shockingly <laughs> <It's> high. Shockingly <laughs> high. <laughs> this is just all pita chips. I don't know uh, <laughs> what's going on.
0: Oh, goodness. Did you two grow up in the same sort of area, like, same similar neighborhood, or...?
2: Well, I, I moved to the town that Eva grew up in mm-hmm. when I was um, 16 years old. I, I transferred to her high school uh, second of half me. of junior year Obviously. because of
0: Eva, Abvi. So where were you before that? Uh,
2: I grew up in Brooklyn and then I moved to Westchester uh, in fourth grade and then, yeah, moved to Westport in the middle of
0: junior year of high school. Cool. For someone that hasn't been to that particular part of the world, mm. how would you describe it?
1: Westport. Very rich town. Very wealthy, white town. Suburban. It's funny because I feel like all of us kind of, like, ended up there by accident, which always creates, like, a funny way of growing up very much akin to, like, every movie about high school underdogs. Yeah. Uh, but it, it felt that way. And looking back, like, you know, we grew up with kids who, like, drove, like, Lamborghinis to high, to high school. And like, oh, wow. And, my family initially moved there because our parents uh, lost all their money and had to move in with our rich grandparents. Yeah, right. So, or not rich, but like they had money. Comparatively, uh, Comparatively yeah. to my poor artist parents, yes. So we kind of like ended up there by accident. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it, now that I don't live there anymore, I feel like it's a wonderful place to go visit. It feels right. kind of like going on vacation because it's like a beach town, uh, but as with everyone in any high school scenario, by the time, you know, we were leaving high school, I was like, gotta get out of here, yeah. get out of this <laughs> town, this, this place sucks, and, you know, there's, like, anywhere to grow up, there's wonderful things that I don't take for granted at all, like, incredible school system, super competitive place to grow up, yeah. um, I will say that, yeah, it was like, and I, and now that I look back, I'm like, I think that factors in so much to our work ethic as a band, Is just that we grew up in a crazy, crazy competitive environment, um, but then also, like, anxiety probably also comes with that, too. My crippling, crushing sure. anxiety that I try to live through. Uh, so, you know, good and bad to everything. Sure. Yeah.
0: Was it the kind of thing where you feel like you guys connected because it's just like, oh, you're into this thing, I'm into this thing, no one else here is into this thing, we, we kind of have to be friends now?
1: Partially, Spencer seemed like the coolest person person in the world to me when I met him. I just, he, I had heard about him before I ever met him. Of course, I knew that he was Dash and the Incredibles. Oh, yeah. um, and never uh, come up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Never. (laughs) But that wasn't really why I thought you were so cool. I just, I'd heard about you like you were like a mythical figure or something. And so by the time I finally met him, I was just like, I want to be friends with that person. Yeah. And, you know, I think Spencer and I connected because... Uh, you know, partly because we both listen to the same music and both, like, had a lot of respect for each other. But I think also, like, we both have similar personalities. I think we're both very much, like, we're both, like, younger children. Like, the youngest in our families um, in the birth order. And I think, like, both
2: Spencer... No
1: chill. (laughs) No chill, yeah. We're both really, like, neurotic. And I think, too, we're both very, like... um, empathetic people like Spencer has been like one of my closest friends my whole life and like has seen me at my absolute best and my absolute worst and like I've literally gotten drunk and blown my nose into his hand at a party uh (laughs) and because I was crying and like barfing and uh and he still loved me and came over the next morning and like brought me milkshakes so you know and I hope that I've been as good of a
2: friend to him as he's 100%, been to me. 100 yeah. Uh, but
1: yeah, we're like, you know, I think there's like a lot of people you meet who are like surface level friends and I think like Spencer and I are both people who have like very little interest in having like surface level friends. We're very like ride or die Ride people. or die. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So either you in bands before Charlie Bliss or were you like performing live Never? or everything like that? Oh
2: man, I was in so many stupid bands. I was in. St- <laughs> I my musical like history leading up to this band is just a tragedy. Yes. Like, if if you were to like mark my musical progression, it's it makes no logical sense that <laughs> I ended up here. You'd I be mean, like, okay, this kid went into like investment banking or something and yeah. like burned all of his instruments. I was in a lot of bands who would like. <laughs> the the like real like mode of operation was like, dude, we're gonna meet up after school, we're gonna smoke weed and we are going to jam and it is going to be amazing. And I, I was jamming I was the odd man out who would just be like high and terrified <laughs> and like being like everyone is looking at me I sound like shit and everyone else would be like vibing i like
1: loving it see and would... that's what we mean when we say we both have no chill like we like other people could jam we can't jam we can't like, do what it what is the end game what are we trying to create like, why can't I can't just, what's the point of just sitting here and noodling like what are we making listen
2: I think I have ruined a lot of possible uh, musicians careers by jamming with them if you have jammed with me you say to yourself, I am never picking up an instrument ever again. Yeah,
0: it's not
1: working out. <laughs> yeah, nope. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Nope, that's the last time I ever do that.
1: <sighs> can't jam, can't jam. So that was
2: that was my experience, and then Charlie I... Charlie
1: Bliss doesn't jam, ever.
2: Met people who actually wanted to write songs and figured it out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we combine all of our neuroses and... Oh <laughs> god, we
2: are like neurotic Voltron. It becomes one just worrisome brain that is just... Vibrating with nervous yeah, energy. Yeah, then
1: then we make something, and something is good because we made sure we thought of every way in which it could be bad. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and a lot of those times, it those things happen. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like we will them those awful things to happen to us by thinking about them for yeah. hours on end. <laughs> yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> so, Eva, you were only like performing in terms of like doing musicals and stuff. Like
1: that. Yes, I was also in a gospel choir <laughs> oh. um, and. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. That was, the, but yes, musical theater was like my life. But yeah, I, I sang in a gospel choir because my parents wanted me to. <laughs>
0: That's very wholesome. What roles yes. were you landing in these musicals?
1: I everything you could think of. I was Sandy in Grease. I was Whoa. Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. I was uh, in a Little Shop of Horrors. I was Audrey. I was Maureen in Rent. I was uh,
2: Guys and Dolls. Did you say that one? already? Adelaide.
1: Yeah. Um, trying to think if I missed any. I was in Brighton Beach Memoirs. uh, Fulfilled my life's dream of being like an old Jewish mother. (laughs) Uh, And like, uh, yeah, no, I I really, I did it all.
0: (laughs) Amazing. So Spencer, when and where was the first time you performed in front of people? Interesting.
2: Well, I mean, I did, I did, the the camp that me and Dan went to was like a performing arts camp, so I was in like a few plays and, and stuff like that, but the the one that really sticks out is uh, when me and Dan were both eleven years old. We mm-hmm. uh, did a Green Day cover. Fuck yes. We covered uh, "Hitchin' a Ride," which yes. is one of the uh, you know doesn't get the attention it deserves. No way! So great great do. song. Uh, but yeah, we played that when I guess we were, I was eleven, Dan was twelve, and that was the first time that I like felt like real adrenaline. I think in my life so it was it was incredible. Good shit, yeah, man.
0: So. Moving forward, when and where was the first Charlie Bliss
1: show? Oh, no. Okay, well, do you want, like... Mm,
0: before
1: Go Charlie... B- okay, before Charlie Bliss was Charlie Bliss, we were a different band with a different name that I cannot reveal. Um, it was so bad, but um, we... How that
2: bad? It's pretty atrocious. It I had, like,
1: three rosés. I'm not going to be very good at keeping <laughs> secrets. <laughs> Listen. We were a folk band. Um, we sounded like we made music that was designed to be played in Starbucks. Oh, uh, wow. And we threw were a frappuccino at a banjo. We were appropriately called Sweet Nothing. Oh um, wow. And, uh, wow. and uh, we, yeah, that's, I spilled the tea there. Damn. Because really? I got distracted Damn. by those people spilled being dicks to us. Yep. Uh, yeah, I spilled the frappuccino <laughs> all over the mic. Uh, uh. Um, no, um, we, you know, it wasn't good. It
0: but wasn't we good. Okay, but
1: our first show. So our first show as... Basically, the reason we were able to start... The, Spencer and I started writing songs together, but then I made, like, a sudden left turn. I thought I was going to pursue musical theater in college, but I ended up deciding I didn't want to do that audition for a program at NYU that was, like, music, business, production, performance. Um, and I got in. All of the kids who got into the program all had, like, albums out already yeah. and, like, had been, like, playing shows. And I was like, I'm a, I had, like, major imposter syndrome. I was mm. just like, I'm going to get there and people are going to think I'm total phony and, like, I don't deserve to be here. So I was like, guys, we've got to rally. We've got to put out an album before I go to college so that people think I'm cool. Yeah. Um, asked my brother to do it as, like, a, a big, like, a one-time favor. Uh, pulled in another person that we were friends with to, like, play on it. And then the person who ran the studio where we, where we recorded it basically, like, heard us recording and was like, no, you're an actual band and you should play shows. But we, I'm telling you, like, the chances that we would have continued as a band or slim to none. I'd really think it would not have happened other than this strange man who told us we should be a band. So he started booking us shows in Connecticut because he told us even though we all lived in New York at that point he told us that you can't play a show in New York until you have roadies to load you in and out of the venues. Insane. Which is, insane. <laughs> Which is <a> really <laughs> insane advice. Um, but we believed him blindly because we were yeah. like, you know, we were young, we were like, oh my god, this guy knows. So we played our first show was at Neutral, uh, Ground. Neutral Ground in Fairfield, Connecticut. I think it was Fairfield, yeah. It was a wild ride. It was a wild uh, ride. We, did, we had maybe like five or six songs, and mm. so because we had so few songs, he encouraged us to play one song at the beginning and then play it again as the outro of the set at oh, the shit. end. It love it. Was People rough. love when you do that. It um, never no. fails. Still do it at
2: every Charlie Bliss <laughs> show yes, exactly. to this it day. Is. And we always no, have roadies. Dude, it literally was like that. It was. I'm not Sam kidding. Sam would do the one, two, three and we would launch right back into it. I can't. It.
1: it was so bad. Um but no, then we like, you know, finally we realized we were like, Oh, like this is not the music we no. want to be making even at all. Yeah. Uh and then we eventually played a show in New York under the name Charlie Bliss, which was also supposed to be temporary. But then we decided we loved it. Yeah,
0: we came up with it. Ella. Yeah.
1: Uh, it was the name of my ex-boyfriend's best friend. And I was at a party and I was like, God, we have to name our band. What should we name our band? And ever we were at a party at Charlie Bliss's house and everyone was like, Name it Charlie Bliss, name it after Charlie. And I presented it to the band and it was the only name. No one liked it, no. but it was the only name that no one hated. Yeah. So we were like, Done, it's Better done. Nothing sweet, nothing. Sure. But oh. <laughs> I'm so anything. I can't believe, I'm gonna like <gasps> anything I'm is gonna better wake up, than that I kid Jesus you not Christ. I'm gonna wake up at like 3 in the morning tonight and be like no why <laughs> did, did I do that
0: a cold sweat like Axel yeah. Rose in November rain like, <laughs> 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 that's
1: like my whole life is waking up at 3am and be like what did I do what did I, did I bad. say I did it bad had to have
2: that fourth rose in.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, it's vacation tour. Yeah, what can seriously. I say? Fuck All it. bets are Watch off.
2: It. Fuck it. We're
1: like we're in upside down world. <laughs> it's exactly, amazing, exactly. Nothing, matters, Nothing here, matters here, right? No, but everything matters here. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: that's the problem.
0: <laughs> when, when, and where was the first time you went out uh, touring? Like uh, going and playing outside of your immediate hometown? It was you know? so pure.
1: Um, this is like one of my favorite stories. Basically, like. I had a professor in college who was so wonderful. His name is Errol. He basically just believed in our band when he had no reason to yeah. um, and really was just, like, a really encouraging force in our, our lives mm-hmm. uh, and basically came to me one day and was like, what the fuck are you doing this summer? He was like, you should be touring. And I was like, how do you tour? And he was like, pick a place you want to go and just, like, book shows there and then, like, make it happen. That's that easy. And I was like... Because, you know, when you hear about touring, it's like, oh, touring. It sounds yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. intimidating and scary. And I well, I was like, well, should we tour on the East Coast, like, near where we live? And he was like, nah, fuck it. Like, make it harder for yourself. Tour on the West Coast where you don't know anybody. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> so I had this idea. I was like, I don't know where to start because we didn't have a booking agent or, like, any, we didn't have a manager. We didn't have anybody. Um, and it occurred to me to look, to go on Facebook and you know how you can like load more pages and go yeah. all the way back in someone's Facebook history? I just <laughs> I just went as far back as I could in the Facebook history of all of our favorite bands, um, who were like kind, you know, bigger than us, but not yeah. so, not, not like you huge, know they weren't like yeah. you know the Brady Bunch or peppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, And looked as far back as I could on their touring schedule to see what venues they played when they went on tour. Picked those venues and just emailed them relentlessly if I could find an email address and then asked them if we could play there. Uh, and then I lied to my bandmates because I told them that I had booked an entire West Coast tour when really I think I had booked three shows at the, that point, but we needed to buy plane tickets. So I was like, you guys, I booked a whole tour. Let's do it. And they're like, are you sure? I was like, yep, we're good. And up until, like, the day before we left, I was still booking shows, being like, please, please, please let us play somewhere in, like, Portland, Oregon. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it was it was magic. It really, I think, like, we all walked away from it being like, this we is, love this. And, and like, th-
2: this is real. This, this has yeah. legs. This is this could yeah, be a real thing. Yeah, which is
1: crazy because, I mean, we were playing places where we knew nobody. Uh, and, and, you know, there were some shows that were total failures, but there wasn't one show where there was nobody there, you nope. know? And, and that's pretty amazing, like...
2: At that level, that is, a, you know, it's a huge feat. We had
1: no music out. I mean, like, um, or I guess soft just, just come, come out. out. Yeah, No one knew who the fuck we were. But um, it, it was cool, and I think, I think it kind of instilled this sense of confidence of, like, all it takes to be in a band that does something that is so official, like touring, is to just, like, go and book yourself a tour, uh, which kind of changed everything for us. Absolutely. We were like, oh, all we have to do is just, like, decide we're going to do it and then do it. <laughs>
2: Best booking agent ever. Ever.
1: <laughs> I've got a can-do attitude. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> were you surprised by the reaction to Guppy and then, you know, the kind of momentum that came from that where it's just like, oh shit, okay, well, I guess we're going to be on the road for the foreseeable future.
1: It's it's hard to explain. With You know, with Guppy, by the time we came out with Guppy, we had been working on that album for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... There was such. It's hard to explain how we felt when that record came out because it, I will be honest, like, there's a huge amount of, like, frustration that we were feeling. Was, yeah. not, not with the way that it was received whatsoever. We were floored by the reception Absolutely. of that album. But it was like, on our end, it's bizarre to put out a record that you've been living with for that long and are kind of, like, sick of at the, by the time you put it out. Not, and, like, you know. I really want to reiterate, we love that record, we're really proud of it, but, like, it's just, you know, when you've been playing a song every night for years on tour, and then you're, like, putting it out and it's new to everyone else, it's different. It just doesn't feel so, like, you know... It
2: was hard to tell, like, what was just, like, the release of tension, and, like, you know what I mean? And what was, like, actually, you know, the hard work paying off. It was hard to differentiate between the two, but I think that record did so much for us and we wanted and we just wanted it to do that so so badly we needed it
1: we were like so we were so like down in the dumps and I think like feeling like oh will anything ever happen so that that record I just will always credit it as being like the record that that gave us confidence and I think that like we could never have written a record like young enough if we hadn't put out Guppy and had it received the way that it was and had so many people champion that record and believe in us I think like Having that happen just meant that we were able to enter into this writing process feeling, like, so fired up and ready to make the people who believed in us proud.
0: Yeah. I mean, was there a point in the interim where, you know, like, at those lower points where, you know, you've been working on this thing for ages and there was nothing coming of it, like, were you considering, you know, being just like, oh, you know, selling all your instruments and getting into investment properties and shit?
1: There were points where I'd call my mom and just cry and be like, I'm waiting for you to tell me to give up on this. Like, I'm waiting for you to tell me, to, like, to do that. Like, yeah. because I I am really, really hard on myself. And, like, I think, you know, I, I have major, like, wanting to make my parents proud complex. And, like, <clears throat> so I think, like, my fear was just that, like, I I felt like I was working so hard. I felt like all four of us were working so hard. But it felt like we had nothing to show for it. So I, I felt, even though... It, I didn't feel like I was behaving like their, like, fuck-up kid who was, like, in a band, like, you know, after, like, graduating from, like, a great university and, like, wasting their degree. And I know they didn't think of me that way, but I, like, I was worried that that's what was happening. Yeah. So so there were definitely moments where I was like, oh, like, should I... Not, I don't think we ever got close to giving up, but it no. did. It did just feel like there were moments where it felt like, it
2: like when "Are is we this doing going something really right. wrong?"
1: And like, what could we do to make this better uh, that we're not doing? Because it it didn't it didn't feel like we were being lazy or something. It was like we were working so hard, but we were, just, we're.
2: Are we missing something? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah,
1: yeah. It was like, what's eluding us right now? But no, then once that album came out, I think it was just like a huge relief and so cathartic to like be like okay we aren't crazy for basing our lives around this is really how it it was very validating it was just like okay like we aren't you know we aren't fuck ups we're We're not (laughs)
2: insane yeah
1: we're not insane like okay there's a reason to believe in this there's a reason to keep going I felt and I'm sure you felt this way too I felt so differently coming into writing young enough than I did coming into writing Guppy and that was because of the reception of Guppy so Absolute, super grateful absolutely. and and yeah surprised in a lot of ways but also like you know validated like we absolutely. believed in it so yeah. it's like it wasn't like you know we were shocked that anyone else liked it we were just like oh, thank god we're not
0: crazy exactly like, yeah <laughs> when you're young you a lot of uh, you know young impressionable musicians or aspiring musicians at least will uh, you know have those kind of like rock band biopic moments that they'll see happen to other bands and you know they'll be like oh, this is the we've made it moment you know and it's it's such a far-fetched concept but I feel like every musician in their own way has one is there a point like over the last couple of years in particular where you've gotten to play somewhere gotten to meet someone gotten to you know perform at a particular festival or anything like that that's felt like you know that point in the biopic it's just like fuck we've done it we've made it
1: you know what I always say like My greatest goal for us as a band is just that, like, by the time we reach whatever level of success that is our dream, that we already have a new dream for what our, you know, our level of success could be. And I can only explain it by saying that, like, absolutely, yes, I can think of, like, 30 times that that's happened in the past, like, six months even. But I feel so grateful that, like, that point just keeps moving, that, like, you know, that goal point uh, just keeps moving. But if I had to pick one in most recent memory, I have to, without a doubt, say that we just recently played Radio City Music Hall in New York, um, opening for churches. And I feel like I, I, like, I just felt like we were floating the whole time we were playing. It was just like, man, like and and also the combination of the fact that like we played that show and you know opening slots are very different than headlining your own shows but like you know it it felt good and it felt it didn't feel like we were off. the the best thing about that was that you know we were playing this massive legendary stage and i don't feel like we felt like dwarfed by it nope. it felt like we were like like that, it we felt like, came it into our own on it, and yeah. like, and it felt like we were like, it, it, I had like the moment of like, we were like, we are absolutely doing, we are totally meant to be doing, and it was really wonderful and validating. But then also the next night we played like the final headlining show of our most recent tour in the yeah. U.S. at Bowery Ballroom, and you know New York is obviously where we are from and where we live, and like that show was super sold out and packed, and like you know partly packed with like family and friends, but you know, and then also a super supportive crowd, and like. Any time I look out into the audience and I see people like singing along to our music and losing it to our music and feeling it and connecting with it and feeling like you know it means something to them, that that is like the biggest dream come true. That we can make music that people could connect to on that level.
0: For sure, for sure. Alright, Charlie Bliss, we will wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn. I wanna know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played.
2: <laughs> oh my god. So many. The best was
1: probably the one we just played in at Bowery Ballroom.
2: I would say that is. I mean, Seattle also was amazing. Seattle
1: was great. Uh,
2: Worst. Oh, oh. Was it uh, public assembly or general? uh,
1: Oh yeah. Probably there's we played so many bad shows. I mean, uh,
2: I don't know. I feel like we had like three years of the a, a, worst shows, of the worst we've, ever shows played. we've ever
1: played when we were first starting out. There it's was a one
0: dividing scale. Yeah, out.
1: there was one that Spencer's referring to is at this venue in New York that no longer exists, which is probably good called Public Assembly, and we it was like very early on for us, and you know, we never really recorded any. I don't even think Soft Serve was recorded at that point. Um, it was like super early on for us, and we played this show, and I remember being like. We fucking oh, we crushed. crushed that. Oh, God, we were amazing. And the next day, like, we all went home. It was, like, a major holiday in the U.S. And we went home, and my brother Sam came up to me. And I guess, like, at the show, they offered this thing where they would, like, record the show off the board and give you a CD of the show that yeah, you just played. Yeah. And And Sam just came up to me, and he was like, while you're driving in your car today, uh, listen to this. I was like, why? Is it really good? I was like, is it amazing? He was like, just listen to it. <laughs> And I listened to it, and I was like, oh, God. It was like a cold shower. (laughs) I was like, we're so bad. But also an amazing thing for us because I think, you know, like, wake-up call of, like, sometimes it's painful to listen to yourself bad. Like, I hate even, like, hearing recordings of myself, like, speak. Um, (laughs) Don't listen to this. Yeah, don't listen to this. No, um, but I think, you know... At a certain point, if you're like, if you want to get better as a band, you kind of have to treat it like you're like, uh, like a sports star or something who watches your games back and says, "Oh, that's where I messed up. I've got to like get yeah. better at doing that." Oh, that's where like, oh, I should stop singing like that. It sounds really dumb. Yeah. Or like,
2: it was a turning point for <laughs> it
1: sure. It was. It was. We were like, oh, here's how we get better. Such a cringe. We acknowledge that moment. we're bad.
0: <laughs> it but was yeah, is bad. Rough.
1: Sam still has the recordings, and I live in fear of him get, being like hacked or something. <laughs> the problem
2: is that like. If Sam loses his laptop, we're done. We're yeah. like, we're I know.
1: and We talked about it so yeah. many times. It's at this over. Point that like If someone found his laptop, they would know exactly what to look yeah. for. So, Sam,
0: is any hackers out there? Please yeah. throw away your laptop. He at least has to
1: have like the setup thing on, like, app, like Find My iPhone, where you can like erase every all yeah. the files in the computer. We could be like the no. emergency button. Yeah, yeah, the emergency. Like,
0: I have the, the codes. Fun, the yeah. nuclear yeah.
2: codes yeah. for Sam' laptop. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: yeah, that that was one of
0: the worst. Yeah. Shopping, One of sure. zillions of the words. <laughs> the album is younger, Young Enough. I almost said Younger Now. That's the name of the Mindly Cyrus album. Love that. Which is uh, which I is mean, great. you might as well plug that. Yeah, let's I mean, plug that Miley too. Cyrus' album is out too. So you check yeah. it out. But young Enough is the Charlie Bliss album. Yeah. It's out now. It will be out still by the time that this comes out. Correct. So please go out and listen to it. It's a wonderful record and I would like to thank Both members of this wonderful band for their time today. Very, very much appreciated. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. This is great. Thank you. I'm David Jim. All my friends are